0: No, I was fired for killing a resident. Do you have a position for me?
1: Never that quite that fast. You know, there are times, you know, you have to be sensitive. People might have done things early in their life. that, you know, they regret it and they've overcome and they really are good candidates. We really try to look at the total person, try to get references in most cases.
0: Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day.
1: I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Shmuel Septimus.
0: Welcome to this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast. I'm really excited to do today's episode. Today I have with me uh, Alvin Kahn. Alvin is the Principal and Executive Director of Recruitment at Alvin Kahn & Associates and an interview strategist. Well, we have an interview right here. So Alvin, thank you very much for taking some time and joining us here uh, today on the Nursing Home Podcast. So welcome aboard, Alvin.
1: Thank you. Look forward.
0: Okay, excellent. So Um, so you're actually suggested, you know, when I posted on LinkedIn that we're going to start the nursing home podcast, um, it was requested. People wanted to hear uh, from you specifically, and I'm really glad that we're able to make this happen together. So before we even get too deep, um, into the show, if you don't mind, would you be able to share with us a little bit about how you evolved into the role and that you play right now in the nursing home industry? So just a little bit, um, let our listeners know who you are briefly, and maybe let me know who you are as well.
1: Well, you know, uh, it actually starts back uh, about uh, 30 years ago. I started recruiting uh, for hospitals in a uh, office called Dunhill. They were part of, a, our office was part of a franchise uh, of about 300 offices. Okay. And I was uh, started off working in healthcare with hospitals across the country. But eventually I moved up within the system into their corporate office and began uh, working in training and also also recruiting for them and then eventually I went on my own to start my own office which is around 1995 and we really got very entrenched working with nursing homes and the rest is history we've been working with nursing homes since right around 1995.
0: Okay so the nursing home industry is different from the other industries that you were working in again, going off script here a little bit, but what pulled you to the nursing home world? There's so many challenges um, in the nursing home world. And, um, you know, you were in the hospital world. Is there a specific thing that pulled you in this direction?
1: Um, I'll tell you, I didn't know anything about the nursing home industry. I really never realized there was such a large industry out there when I first started working with them. But there was a group, I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and there was a group that had just started up and they were being involved with. Working in the rehab with the nursing home industry, and they needed someone for their out east operations. And they contacted me to head it up. So I, I got involved with them. In fact, I got very involved with them for about a year and a half. And I was okay. a troubleshooter. I helped them to fill all their positions, not only in New York and New Jersey, but we really helped them out in other states that they were having issues with. So okay. I got very entrenched. And when their company was sold, I just continued on on my own and built up many relationships with. With other clients
0: and then again the rest is history. Got it, got it that makes sense. So kind of that, that's how it kind of evolved into uh, into what it is today. So as a nursing home administrator, uh, staffing is always a challenge. Um, the The most acute part of the challenge that that affects I guess the day-to-day operations the most is the you know the nursing staff, the nurses, and CNAs. Um, does your company deal specifically with upper level management administrators, directors of nursing? Or do you deal with um, even filling other positions?
1: Well, we really, when it comes to nursing, we do upper-level management positions. We really don't get involved with uh, nurse staffing as far as uh, the staff uh, staff part of it, but upper levels from, let's say, MDS people to nursing directors and assistant directors of nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other positions within the within the facility, it could be administrative or staff within those areas, such as uh, Social work, or within uh, food service, et cetera.
0: Okay, so basically, to simplify, so management level and above, uh, you would help find and filling those positions. But the the line staff, the nurses, the CNAs, uh, the staff in the kitchen, and all that. So that would be on the facilities to fill those positions. So now, well, nursing home, right? Is that correct?
1: I was going to say, really, mostly for nursing, we don't do the line staff. But for other, for our good clients. Nursing is a whole nother area. It really requires a company for the line staff to really be involved in that area, but the line staff within the other areas, we really help our clients out as much as we can.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That makes sense. So now, um, nursing homes, everybody knows nursing homes, at least today we're recording this now in May of 2019, they're not overflowing with, uh, with cash and obviously if they can fill the positions themselves, they would. And the fact that they reach out to you to help fill these critical roles, obviously, is because you have the ability to do what they cannot do, or you have the time or the resources. So, what is the magic trick, if you don't mind sharing, um, that you have the ability to find the right people, um, and, and you know, be able to fill these positions? You're not you're not located near where the all the facilities are, right? From what I understand, you you work out of state as well. Um, so so how do you identify a candidate and then know the right facility to introduce the candidate to or do you do it the reverse do you take the facility then try to provide the candidate tell me a little bit more about that
1: we are very much uh, job oriented so our clients we have many many positions that are in the center office here and we're quite busy so we really choose uh really to work hard when we take a position we're very motivated to fill them our clients when they call us up they really believe that we're going to do it and in- we obviously work our best and we try to be very successful. Not always, but we always uh, work very hard to fill the positions. Uh, Why do they use us? Uh, Really is because a lot of times searches are confidential. Uh, They know that when they deal with us, we have a reputation of being extremely confidential when we do our searches, not only from the point of view from the employer, but also from the candidates. Candidates these days are are very concerned about uh, their present facilities hearing about them potentially leaving. And they're worried right. about jeopardizing their jobs. So, Correct. from both ends, we're very extremely confidential, and we don't just live on our past. We work really hard. There's, you know, we we can make hundred phone calls to find a person. It's not unheard of. We we don't just live on what we have in our computer base or uh, or other things that would be not requiring much work. We we are very hardworking, and we're not satisfied just finding a person. We really really want to find the right person, and that's what right. really motivates us.
0: I see, is the again, I don't think we've worked directly um in my past life as a recruiter and uh, not as a recruiter as an administrator. Um, however, is there a direct uh, correlation between the you know the reimbursement of for your services and the length of time, or is it just like if they pass a certain threshold, then it's you know then it's done?
1: Um,
0: no, let maybe. me let me just add to that. The reason why I'm asking I, I'm not asking for you know for the specifics of. You know how much it costs for per employee and all that. If anyone's interested, we'll leave that information at the end of the episode and on the website as well. Uh, I'm just asking because how much is the is the fee for service tied to the ultimate success of the of the you know of the employee?
1: Well, I, I would tell you just last week. I mean, we do a number, quite a number of placements in the office. We did a placement for one of our clients that was probably the lowest placement fee. That we've done in a long time because he's a good client and he wants a position filled, and we helped him out with it. It probably took as much time, if not even more, than let's say other placements. It didn't didn't stop us by trying to cut that cut the time down because of the lower placement. We just we're not motivated only by money. We're motivated by making our clients feel that they made the right decision by using us and that they have Mm -hmm. a good person that would not have found otherwise. Okay, just not not time based at all.
0: Okay, fair enough. Now, uh, do you find you know, you know, um, like you mentioned, it, like you could go after the quick sales, so to speak, and place somebody in there, but it sounds like you've been doing this long enough that uh, when you do make the right uh, recommendation, and they stay there long enough, so you know th- they're going to kind of adopt you as their company whenever they need to fill these positions. Is that kind of what happens?
1: I would say you know I think the companies that we've been working with for the last fifteen years, and we have many clients that. Are still with us after all these years. <clears throat> they know we don't waste their time by sending over people that are just entitled to doing that type of work but are not qualified. We really scrutinize resumes, we really spend a lot of time qualifying people so that when they get there, the hiring officials know that they're not just calling someone or just taking our word, but they're hopefully getting someone that would be a good potential for the
0: Okay, that that's an awesome point that you bring. So I've had to hire, you know, myself many you know even management level i've had to search and go through tons of resumes i've done the indeed and sometimes craigslist or wherever where you know wherever people are looking at that point uh, for job postings and a lot of these automated systems you can get as indeed specifically you can get you know six seven eight pages of results for very specific targeted sponsored ads and you'll get uh, in my experience has been sometimes 90 percent garbage you know, 90% that it's not even worth open clicking to see, you know, the resume, you know, I'm looking for, let's say a marketing director or admissions person. And this one is a manager at Dunkin Donuts. Oh, no, thank you. You know, to actually the percentage, again, this is not uh, scientific numbers, but I found that, you know, maybe five or 10, maybe 15% are actually people who have uh, nursing home experience under their belt and are actually looking for a job. So, and even recruiters sometimes they'll, you know, if you have a company that doesn't do what you just described, you may get a little bit, uh, you know, more focused or direct targeted uh, list of resumes. But they're not people who, you can, who you know, where there's a mutual interest. They're interested in, in the job, they're interested in the location, and you may be interested in hiring them. So that, that's very, definitely a, a very big piece. In other words, um, you're not just throwing a bunch of resumes at your client and seeing what sticks. But when you're handing it over, you know, you're handing over something that has a very good chance of survival.
1: I I would say that uh, one of the reasons that we are successful, if we define success as being in business for such a long time, is because we don't do that. I mean, people, uh, we just had another uh, group just call us last week because they said we're very frustrated. We've been using one or two firms and all they do is send over resumes. They don't don't really know what they're sending over. They just have a job description similar to what we're looking for. But none of the people are really qualified. We really need someone to really be able to sort out these resumes and know about the people and be able to tell us about these people and tell us why you know they would be a good fit for us. And, and that's what we do. We okay. just add into a whole senior resumes. It just doesn't work.
0: Right. So now, getting back. So a lot of our listeners are administrators um, or other people with different roles in uh, in the nursing home in the nursing home industry. So from your perspective, do you see like any blatant, almost like errors or mismanagement from the, uh, from the nursing home uh, operations side. In other words, you, you have the ability or shall I say the luxury of seeing operations from, I don't know if it's a bird's eye view or from down the block or whatever euphemism you want to insert. Is there anything that comes, that comes to mind? Is like, how could they really be doing this? But you know what, I'm just a recruiter. I'm going to put my nose down and just do what I do. Does anything jump to mind or the opposite? Oh my goodness, that's so innovative and that's so outstanding what a particular company does. Do you ever get like such aha moments, either for good or for otherwise?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if it's necessarily with clients, but when we have candidates, a lot of the times the candidates will tell us what, when we ask them for the reason that they're looking to make a change, sometimes they get a little bit more uh, expressive and, uh, I really don't want them to go into things that really are none of my business, especially from where they're coming from. I know there's all two sides to every story. But with our clients per se, uh, I think we know them pretty well. But I don't know. We, we know all the workings within their facility. But we really pick and choose our clients also. And we really know, get to know them pretty well. And I, I don't think that uh, there are any issues that we need to know about that we don't hear about them. But we really just generally are not a part of that.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, you know what they say. There's actually three sides to every story. Right, right. 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 My side, your side, and the truth. But um, right. so, but from what? So this this may be valuable as well. So from you have an employee that approaches you. Well, can does that happen? how does an, a potential employee know to reach out to a recruiter? Is there? Is are you online somewhere? How would let's say I'm an administrator. I'm in Massachusetts and I'm looking now for another position. How how would I know to reach out to you or any recruiter?
1: Well, I, I'm sure every recruiting office has their own ways to promote themselves. Uh, okay. You know, we've been doing it for so long that our name is out there, but for many people, they're not aware of us. We have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, we really do a lot of postings or we do advertising, and we just uh, just through word of mouth, we get many uh, candidates calling us because they've heard about us from other people that we place to work with. The same mm-hmm. goes with nursing home owners. We get a lot of referrals from, uh, from owners that have, told them to contact kind of us. So we Got it. We, are, we are doing pretty well in
0: that regard. Excellent. So you have marketing light, so to speak, the proactive marketing and then word of mouth goes even further, apparently. So ha, do you have uh, employees that come to you and they ask you, or they share information that they shouldn't share? I think you started going down that road before, you know, I was fired for killing a resident. Do you have a position for me? <laughs> Maybe not something uh, as drastic.
1: Not never that quite that drastic, but we've had a couple. But uh, you know, there are times you know you have to be sensitive. People might have done things early in their life that you know they regretted and they've overcome, and they really are good candidates. And you know, we really try to look through everything and make sure that you know if they really are qualified and they're a good candidate, and you know they've done their their repentance or whatever it would be called, they might be very very viable candidates. We really try to look at the total person, try to get references in those cases, and you know, if somebody is really, truly bad, we obviously will not work with them. Right, you know, right. No,
0: have I to, understand that. Have be sensitive. Not, to, you tell
1: them that. So it's,
0: uh, okay. Uh, that, that makes sense. I mean, we've had times, you know, someone comes back with a bad background check, but it happened 25 years ago. So if, if you just look at it with just, you know, black and white, well, you know, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't accept you. But if you What's do really- a little more digging, sometimes can, that it can be amazing. And unfortunately, uh, or maybe, fortunately, um, that cannot be erased or cannot be erased yet, and you, you still need to know that whatever had happened occurred. But at the same time, it, it's not always automatic. You know, it's a dangerous, you know, it's a dangerous path to go down, but it is true nonetheless.
1: But it's also important for these types of situations, and that's where we also, candidates, you know, be upfront and tell everything while it's right to be told. It's not good when you're getting a job offer to start bringing out things that we should have known in the beginning. We also people to really try to trust us and be honest with us. I really try to build up a relationship with candidates and not just being a detective. It's really getting to know them on the phone and spending time with them because I don't want to know anything at the end of the uh, process that really would impede their their being hired. we really need to be up front and that's one of the things that I really press when I talk to a potential candidates.
0: And do the do they respond in kind? Like do they actually share exactly what's going on? Do you find this still hesitant?
1: Well, I'll tell you, when you've been recruiting for a long time, and we do it only on the phone, I very rarely meet the people that that we place or talk to. You really get to listen to them. You listen to things that would be potentially red flags. And you really have to be a good listener. You have to be a little bit of a psychologist, social worker, and really work with people, understand them, to listen to what they have to say, and make sure that you don't let anything go by that would be potentially something that should have been asked. Don't avoid things because you're afraid to hear them. Better to hear them and make decisions based on the truth do
0: and avoid it wow wow so th- that's so interesting that is fascinating is is that so I, I didn't know that so you're saying so you're recruiting people you're filling positions and these are high level positions where the match between the employee and the employer and the organization and the background the culture all these factors are are it's so complex and so important that you get it just right and your firm has the ability to do that just over the phone is that common practice do all recruiters do that, or is that something unique well, to your firm?
1: Well, there's two types of recruitment. One's a retainer, and one's a contingency. Retainer firms are paid in advance to bring people in and spend a lot of time with them and, and qualify them by being paid in advance. The contingency search firms, of which we are, really we don't get paid until after our person's hired and he's been there through the probationary period of time. It's next to impossible to limit really everybody because I mean, we talk to so many people in in the course of the day. So it's really important that we have the experience and know-how to really qualify someone over the phone. And it does take a lot more experience.
0: I see. But other recruiters um, that work, let's say, on a contingency basis like you do, do they also work exclusively over the phone? I mean, either way is fine. I just didn't realize that.
1: I I would think that most contingency search firms are are similar to us, that they would work on the phone. I mean, there are times we'll meet somebody if we really feel that it's necessary or were able to do it but we talk to people from all over and also when people come in and, and meet with you in person it does take up a lot of time yes. and for all the potential candidates that you talk to for any given position there would never be enough time in the day to
0: go. Got it. Do you ever have these types of conversations like we're having right now at a video conference?
1: Well this is my first video conference so I can't say that I don't feel nervous a little bit so I, I know what it's like to feel like a candidate now.
0: So Interesting. I, Interesting. So it's generally not done. Um, in this format, which is, I'm just, I just find that fascinating, the, you have the ability, so but it is it is a
1: trend though in the future, and we are really getting more into uh, the likelihood of starting doing more Skyping and FaceTime with candidates over, over through the computer. It's not as time consuming because when you're done, you're done, and sometimes it, it would be more helpful. So that's definitely a trend that we're look uh, looking toward, definitely towards towards doing.
0: Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, that might make my next point a moot point, but. Um, you know, this is a podcast, which which is by you know by definition, podcast is an audio experience. We are recording the video as well, um, but that having said that, you know, as much as we're advancing, and audio is like from the radio age, but it happened. You know, the podcast industry is exploded; has already exploded from something that was like an app on the iPhone. You know, back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. You know, when, when it was just starting. And people are really connecting and you know, people building a multi-million dollar business is just off of their podcasts and the services that they offer as you know related to it. And because people are consuming audio and, and really changing based on you know, based on, based on what they uh, and what they listen to and how they engage. And my point is they you know, working on the phone is really is, you know, is an age old time tested thing. And as much as technology has advanced. A conversation a two-way conversation like you said you know with listening on both sides uh, can really go um, a very far away a very long way now is there any piece of advice that you wish you would have gotten you know you you've come you know quite a long way you've created this company and this firm you've worked with these clients for you know for quite a few years and you have a name in the industry and you sort of like you described earlier became like a go-to resource Uh, for those looking to fill these positions in the nursing home uh, industry. Is there any piece of information that you wish you would have been told earlier that could have accelerated the growth of your business um, had you been told this as you were starting out?
1: Um, Well, I I guess if I was going to go back to that thought, I mean, people were always guiding me and telling me uh, how to do this and how to do that. I, I think that you have to have a good person to mentor you And to train you and you have to use your own creativity and your own and your own resources. Uh, So I I, I guess if somebody would have told me be somewhat independent avoid relatives and friends that want to help you and don't be uh, a social worker when you work with candidates be a recruiter because time is of the essence. The one thing that you have to be successful with as a recruiter and to work in the search industry uh, is to really watch your time and don't go off a wild goose chase. I wasn't told that, but if someone would have told me that, I would have been
0: appreciated it. So in other words, uh, I guess what you're describing um, is a couple of things. You know, First of all, don't listen to everybody else's advice and just apply it, because you need to apply your own personality to in order for you to ultimately be successful. No one else's advice works perfectly for anyone else, because we're all different. Uh, but you're saying in addition to that, it sounds like that maybe in the earlier days, uh, there was lots of conversation that wasn't focused on results, perhaps. And you've learned how to direct the conversations in a way that solidifies the relationship and gives you the answers to the questions that you need to know if this is the right fit for a particular client, or to know, I guess, which bucket to put the prospect in. So does that pretty much sound right?
1: Yes, I, I would say so. I, I guess you you just have to know uh, what what searches you should do. There's like a circle of of uh, searches that you do that are very common. It's not always good to be exotic and go with the searches that you can't use the end results for. And that's why it's good to be staying you know, focused within an industry that you're very familiar with and that you, when you do searches, there might be potential for the candidates you found that were not for that search, but might be appropriate for future searches. So it's good to stay focused and to stay specialized within an industry.
0: Got it. Now is that, if if you're talking to someone else who's starting out, Um, their business, and they're in the early stages, even if it's not a recruitment business, but more on a general business level. So is that that the piece of information that you would want to share with them as well? Or is there something else that comes to mind from your earlier days?
1: Um, I'd say really because I've been in in the recruiting for so many years, that if somebody was going to start off, at least in in this industry, I would tell them to make sure that there was a reputable company and they have a person there that can really mentor them well, and someone that would really help them to grow, where there would be a future within the company. I'm very fortunate in my company. I just want to put in a plug for my staff. The people that work in this company are very hardworking, they're very dedicated, and they're very loyal, and they think out of the box. And I'm very fortunate to have been able to found these people to be a part of our office.
0: Okay. Um, again, we don't have everyone else in your office on the podcast to counter, but every good organization needs to have someone on the top. Uh, to make, you know, everyone has their creativity, um, but a good leader knows how to allow them to shine and, uh, you know, not, not tell them what to do. Someone's what you said before. that you wish someone would have told you, don't use any off the shelf advice and just, you know, let that be your, your business model because it's, it it just doesn't work that way. You know, you need to apply your own unique skills and background and experiences in order to be, um, in in order to be successful. Now, there's a lot of different parts that we're going to, try to wrap up here a little bit, but there's a lot of different parts uh, to what you do. And is there any one particular part of the business that really lights you up and gets you excited? And that's the part that you would do for free. The clock does just ticks by and you don't even realize that you're doing it. Um, and that makes you feel almost cheating of how enjoyable it is. Um, is there any particular one aspect of the business that kind of gives you that high? It doesn't have to be.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's really amazing that I I really like making plays, and some people say, of course, because you're making money, but I haven't lost the thrill of wishing people congratulations. I have this thing that we make toasts with all the candidates that I place. After we place them, we meet and we talk and we kind of rehash and we go through everything. I get really excited when I find a position for somebody, especially if it's a person that really wasn't able to find something on their own, and for a cut. And for a client that really was not having success building this position on their own, I really, really enjoy helping people out. I guess maybe that's one reason that I've been so happy doing this because as many, as much stress as there is in helping people on not finding it, just, the feeling has never left me as, as far as placing somebody and seeing everyone being really happy. It means a lot.
0: Awesome. I mean, everybody needs that. And it pains me when I hear this goes back to my other podcast, The Love Your Nine to Five Show, where it pains me to hear when people are stuck um, in a business sometimes that they created themselves, but they really don't um, enjoy it. And ultimately those are the people that many times are not successful because if you're not loving what you're doing. It's not, it's not going to work. And I'm I'm glad that you still get that, that high, so to speak, not so to speak, you do get that high, uh, you know, when you actually make that placement. Well, thank you very much, uh, Alvin, for coming on the nursing home podcast. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule for our, to record this episode together. If there's any one piece of parting advice, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Uh, is any one piece of parting advice that you would give to a facility or a potential candidate that would increase their chances of either for the facility finding the right candidate or for the candidate finding the right facility? Um, is there any one piece of advice that you would give them?
1: Well, uh, that's kind of kind of like a loaded question to answer. I, I guess the most important thing is the person really has to know what they want and they really have to know where they're going to. And People should, people should do their research uh, for the facility that they're applying to. And if they really feel that this is a position that they would like to go for, they should really do research on the facility to make sure it's the right fit. And the facility should also do their checking at the appropriate time uh, after they interview the person, not before we don't want to get anybody's job uh, potentially jeopardized by someone hearing about it but everyone should do their checking and they should do their research and, and really take it
0: seriously. Okay. Well, that definitely makes sense. Um, okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Alvin, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And um, where is the best place if people want to learn more about you or your services? Is there any one place? Uh, what's your website and uh, where can we send them?
1: So com is our website and we have a presence on LinkedIn. The name of the company is called Alpen & Associates, and uh,
0: they can okay. find us if they like Okay, excellent. Thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait for to share this with our listeners who shared quite a perspective on the industry, um, which, which many people may not even uh, realize that unique perspective. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It was definitely enlightening.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast. Be sure to head on over to iTunes and check out the Nursing Home Podcast and subscribe to the show. This will ensure that you never miss another episode and you always are up to date on what's going on in the nursing home industry. If you leave us a review for the Nursing Home Podcast, our promise to you is to send you out something special uh, to your home, for taking the effort to do so. so uh, take a screenshot of the review once you do it. And share it on Twitter with at That's at S-H-M-U-E-L-S-E-P. When I see that, we will connect and send you something special. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast. Check back for our next episode. And don't forget to subscribe and review and share that with me on Twitter. Thank you.